Welcome to ComTrack, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I'm your host, Tim Lifite, and joining me, as always, Sean Wheeler. As always, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and happy Thanksgiving to all of y'all out there. It's We're airing that, we, we, I mean, granted, we're recording this like mid-October, but uh, right now, to you, the listener, it is, in fact, Thanksgiving, or it's just a whole different day and not Thanksgiving and you happen to be, but we're publishing this on Thanksgiving. Point is, this is our Thanksgiving special to you. The hell, the uh, trip to Chicago to get home for Thanksgiving from hell movie for the the uh, the year of hell that we've had. John Hughes, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, this one's real classic, real classic. Um, and this is also real special for me because you know. I used to live in Chicago. I grew up in the Chicagoland area, so uh, yeah. This is, and I think I only saw this, you know, about maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, I first started actually watching this every Thanksgiving. It's it's definitely become kind of a staple, as I'm sure for many of you listening out there. Uh, although Sean, I know you only recently watched it, didn't you? Yeah, um, surprisingly, as much as I uh, typically enjoyed John Hughes films and have seen uh, literally everything else he has directed, uh, this was a blind spot I had. And, um, you know, I just uh, watched it recently for the first time. And, you know, while I definitely uh, can enjoy the performances in it, um, the humor is not really quite my style. I'm not a person who enjoys comedy that is based on uh, feeling bad or embarrassed for somebody else so yeah th there's definitely uh plenty to enjoy in this movie but a, a lot of the the comedy style here is not uh to my taste but again you know you put you know steve martin in a position where he's doing comedy and a lot of physical reactions it's it's just it's going to be wonderful oh of course and, and and some of it is staged so beautifully and so well because uh it's i i think i uh, credit John Hughes to the humor a lot because you know he's known for, his his style of just making movies is uh, really fascinating to me because what he loves to do is this thing where he'll spend like a weekend like a two or, th or two or four day weekend just writing furiously writing a story and he'll turn in a script that's about you know 140 pages long so that probably means the movie is going to be about 140 minutes 145 minutes give or take um but what he does is he writes these scripts like that goes out and shoots the movie with a lot of improv and a lot of things to you know improve upon his screenplay because he does several rewrites throughout the making of it um and then uh He'll eventually turn in a three-hour movie, and then his editors will cut it down to, like, two hours and then tighten it to the 90-minute cut that we all know. Because um, apparently there is, a, like, a three-hour cut of not just planes, trains, and automobiles, like, around. There's also one for, like, Ferris Bueller, The Breakfast Club. I think The Bre Breakfast Club wow. even had, like, a four-hour cut. It was It's kind of crazy. But uh, that just kind of goes to show that he's... A dude who likes to tell a story and shove as much of his stuff that he can do into it and then when it comes time for the editing process he feels what's working what's not working and ultimately craft 
the the final movie you know mm. um that's that's something that i always really kind of admired that he he did even though it must have dr- driven the studios fucking nuts <laughs> well i mean you know every people have their own kind of style so it, mm-hmm. it's not that surprising that you know his is a little eccentric but yeah at the same um, time it's like if you're making the studio money they'll put up with you <laughs> yeah totally i mean well i mean he made so much money you know not just uh uh for you know his directing stuff but also his screenplay work you know like if you look at his filmography holy shit you forget like just how much the dude was really good at writing i think he actually started out writing jokes for snl uh and like magazines and and shit like that which i always thought was like oh that's that must be like one of the coolest gigs well i mean he certainly you know primarily was a writer i mean he directed uh, throughout the 80s pretty much but you know then he backed away from directing and just went back to being a writer so mm-hmm. and uh and yeah and, and it's also really great how personal his movies are and how the human because you know a lot of this is I mean, this movie is probably the most explicit example of how it was drawn off of his own stuff because uh, i don't know if you uh, read about it but you know this movie was basically inspired by a five-day trip to get home to Chicago from hell, much like Steve Martin was, uh, where he was uh, going from uh, Manhattan, New York, and trying to get home for Thanksgiving for Chicago. But there was bad weather delays. He got rerouted to Wichita, Kansas, just like Steve Martin does in the movie. Uh, and it took him a total of five days to get home. <laughs> yeah, so which he wound is up absolute crazy nightmare. And Oh, uh, Totally. It makes you appreciate the uh, advancements and things that have happened with transportation and communication uh, in recent years. So, <laughs> have you ever had like that hard of a time trying to get home for somewhere for the holidays? Because I know I have, and I, it, there were a couple of times where it's just like, oh my god. I mean, I've, I've had some difficult times. Uh, you know, bad snowstorm, uh, car issues on top of that. So mm-hmm. there's definitely been times where it took you know two or three times longer than anticipated, for sure. But I I can't think of you know any time where it was just like delayed by days and days and days. So it, it was never really delayed for days on end for me. But I remember being uh, home a full ten hours late for Christmas. Because I was, uh, you know, in Bowling Green at the time, you know, studying film and photography. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I had a, a friend of mine uh, drive me up to, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't, it might have been in, yeah, I think it was in Toledo. Yes, it was. So I was driven up to Toledo uh, by my friend at like 3 in the morning. My train was supposed to arrive around, you know, 4.30, 5-ish didn't get there till like 8 a.m uh and so i was waiting for like hours on end at the uh, the, the amtrak uh station and then you know we went through the uh, the train uh, train uh the train made a lot more stops because of the bad weather and all these other delays and all these other baggage check things and i don't even remember half of it i was just trying to like uh lose myself in my laptop and the media that i've had on there just between music and movies or whatever the hell i had stored and then i had to get to the uh i had to transfer trains 
to get to the Union Station. Well, for, well, actually, no, that, that was where I was headed because I was going from Toledo all the way to the Union Station in uh, Chicago. And then I had to transfer from the Union Station to the train station in Aurora where I would be finally picked up by my folks. But because I was so delayed and then I was stuck in the Union Station for another three and a half hours uh, to get on the next track, um, that last train, uh, the train ride took about an hour and a half. And then I finally got there and it turns out uh, because I was so delayed, my parents couldn't pick me up. Oh. Yeah. And then finally, after waiting and waiting, they actually sent my next-door neighbor uh, to pick me up. And finally, I could get home and just be like, <sighs> I think the only other time it was I had such difficulty traveling was uh, when I took a cruise up with my good buddy Dan uh, to on a cruise to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um because, yeah, I had to travel from where I am now in Cincinnati up to Toledo, where he was staying. We stayed there for a short while, for a couple hours to get, like, a few shut-ins. And then we had to take uh, uh, the car up, like, an hour up there. And then it was a, you know, about a two-hour flight from Toledo, then to Chicago, and then all the way to Seattle. And I'm flying coach. And it's not fun with uh, with someone who's like six two, six three. I mean, <laughs> I've uh, I've flown from Detroit to San Diego several times, and to mm-hmm. uh, also to the to the Bay Area. So I do understand the long uh, flights out to the coast there in coach. So <laughs> it's it's awful because I've flown before, but for that some reason that flight was particularly uncomfortable. The only way where I could sit kind of okay was in the, you know, stiff textbook position Mm -hmm. that you would see on there. And you couldn't do anything. I had no neck pillow, no nothing. Yeah, given given that those are like five-hour flights, they really should be using the the kind of planes they use for, uh, you know, crossing the Atlantic and stuff like that. You know, for the international flights, uh, they have much more comfortable planes. And I do not understand why they refuse to do that for domestic flights that are over four hours. But here we are. they just hate tall people. That's that's my <laughs> that's my <laughs> that's my assessment anyway. Because uh, you know, and after we finally landed in Seattle, we had to take a bus to get onto the cruise, and then we were finally able to collapse. Uh, and I have this wonderful picture of Dan just collapsed on our uh, our little room inside the the, uh, the 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 ship, and it's it's glorious. Uh, I'll I'll show you later. Sorry, folks at home. You can't really. It's a podcast. It's not really photo friendly. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So, uh, and hopefully, you know, this year getting home to Thanksgiving won't be as horrible as this. Because uh, what, what are your plans for for Thanksgiving? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be staking up at while our listeners are tuning in? Um, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, I imagine I will either be here or in Chicago. Um, but right yeah, uh, I don't think we've uh, gotten that far ahead yet to actually have planned that out. Cause as we said, we are, uh, we're recording this in uh, mid October. So 
I, I just really hope that the ghost of John Candy just kind of shows up and starts to, you know, ask if you want to buy some shower curtains. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd actually be kind of shower a Shower curtain rings. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Although it would honestly be better if he showed up trying to sell me earrings. There you go. And, you know, or how about uh, shower curtain ring earrings? <laughs> that, that was the joke yes <laughs> oh okay just okay i see what you mean well you know i mean anything's an earring if you anything's uh an earring if you got a big enough loophole <laughs> that that's true <laughs> okay well i guess we should like stop bitching around and uh, actually start the movie but before we do i just want to you know reach out to all you listeners i really hope you're having a wonderful thanksgiving and you know you're pro- I know you're probably in a closet somewhere trying to avoid your family because things are so fucking politically awful right now. And one can only imagine the amount of pain it must be to to have to deal with, you know, people that you love and also people that you hate. So I just want to reach out that we are here for you. We are here to bring a little light into the god awfulness of 2020 because oh my god i this it's for you guys it's like you know the ending of uh, november going into december and yet the end of this year still feels three months away it's it it hurts so i just want to reach out to all of you that to say that i love you all of you for real do you, do you have anything to add sean or am i just going to be the only Am I just going to be the weird guy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, obviously, it's like, you know, uh, be kind and care for one another. I mean, that's that's how how we get through. Mm -hmm. So how about we uh, all kick back together and as a ComTrack family, let's uh, pull up our blankets, you know, put our turkey, turkey and stuffing dinner on the side table with a nice tall glass of wine and kick back and watch this classic so folks at home if you've got this thing on streaming if you've got it on blu-ray if you've got it on vhs you better get it ready and just just one last little thing to note is that we are watching the original theatrical version it's uh, an hour and 32 minutes long because uh, there are a couple of different versions out there um particularly with like either the tv made for tv version or the uh, the special edition blu-ray but we've got the original theatrical version so just want to make that a note before we get going so i really hope you guys got it by now because i'm really getting tired of talking on like building this <laughs> shit up so here we go and we're going to start this bad boy in three two one click and there we got the paramount logo just for pretty much all of uh, John Hughes movies and already I can, we can hear the sounds of planes trains and automobiles <laughs> I actually really they even have that in the order of the sounds which I'm like oh that's that's actually kind of clever again I th- feel like that's something that John Hughes came up with in the edit <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Is it weird that that uh, that title card kind of reminded me of uh, the airplane logo? Mm, I get you. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, it, 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 well, there is actually an airplane Easter egg in this movie, and we'll we'll get there when we get there. Right away. <laughs> I love this fucking gag with his boss, like taking forever to fucking <laughs> get this. Oh yeah, I forgot about the, these little little uh, uh, editorial notes where, you know, he's just looking at his his ticket home. <laughs> oh yeah, and no, I, I, they, they we got the uh, the the dad from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> one one of many uh, uh, John Hughes alumni appearing in this movie. God, I love the the silent just tension in all of this and how it's completely played through the, the, the actors reactions no dialogue whatsoever until maybe maybe uh? <laughs> I swear to god the pacing like this is like a Coen Brothers movie <laughs> oh, I love it it's so good Oh shit. You know, he really should have followed his advice on that. He should have, but, but then again, we wouldn't have a really great movie now, would we? Well, you know, I mean, I'm also just kind of like I I mean, this movie is so streamlined, but there's so many questions such as like Okay, he's he's going home to Chicago. He's in New York. It's like, so does he work out of the Chicago office and they just have to have a powwow in New York every month? Like, none of this is explained. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, he's just one of the, the, the traveling ad people. Uh, and, you know, a lot of his basis is he splits his time between, like, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. And, oh, shit. Yep. Speaking of the... Uh, this is probably one of the strangest movie cameos in in all history. And I also love the way this shit's edited. It's very good, like Sergio Leone. Dude, <laughs> Kevin Bacon does great sly eye. Right, dude, for real. But you know what the strangest thing is? like, Because uh, the year after this, because this was 87, <laughs> um, <laughs> the next year John Hughes did another movie with Kevin Bacon, called she's having a baby now there's like a weird uh you know among fans like there's a whole thing that uh <laughs> that um uh these movies are connected it's somehow like you know Br breakfast club and ferris bueller home alone this movie all of them are kind of weirdly connected to one another um so if this is the same character from she's having a baby it gets completely debunked later because there's it cuts back to his wife watching on TV the movie she's having a baby. <laughs> so is that how? <laughs> oh, and right here we got our first little hint at Del uh, Del Griffith. Yeah, the, the the tacky one of the tackiest trunks ever. I actually fucking love it.
dude, this is fucking New York. Of course you're <laughs> yeah. not going to get that. This is worse. This is New York in the 80s. <laughs> oh, this guy has to be a Wall Street broker or something. Oh, close. I guess even, <laughs> I guess it's just about as bad. Not quite as bad as a Wall Street broker, but just as bad. And the motherfucker left. And look right there. I love that. They have like a little shower ring. A right. shower curtain ring in there. Just to kind of hint at that. It's those... Because uh, that's another thing that this movie I really fucking love. Is like most great movies, especially comedies for some reason. Um... It's those tiny little details that come back. Like, the with John Hughes, it's a lot of about the rewatchability of these movies, you know? Yeah. Oh, fuck. No! Ah! Ran right over his briefcase. Uh. All of us right now are Steve Martin. <laughs> we are just... All of us are just trying to get through, get home after a very long year. This is honestly, I I will submit to you that this movie kind of is perfect to watch this year because Steve Martin going going from New York to Chicago is a lot like us trying to get from January to December of 2020. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean the. <laughs> This has been a exasperating year, and this movie encapsulates that feeling very much. Pretty much, dude. And of course, now we're cutting back home to uh, the wife and kids. Now, we, there's something that really haircut. Oh my gosh, that is so fucking nineties. That is, dude. Th that's the exact same haircut. Uh, what's his name in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire had? I swear. <laughs> um. But, yeah, uh, something interesting about this house. I, a lot of people have been like, Wait, is, that, is that totally the same house from Home Alone? And they're close. It's not the same house. But apparently that is in the exact same neighborhood as the house of the Home, the home Alone house where they shot all the exteriors. So uh, I guess, you know, John Hughes just really liked that area. Or he was just so surly he didn't want to have to, you know, look for another location. Oh, I love this reveal. <laughs> and I also love the stream, the stream of consciousness that John, uh, John Hughes does. That shot right there. Where <laughs> they put the, the that, door up. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cool thing that uh, he's done, that John Hughes is doing. Because, you know, they're putting you in the, the, uh, the mindset of Steve Martin... Uh, by not because honestly they could have easily just cut away to the shot of where john candy looks surprised earlier and you know they could have just cut away to that that would have been easy but they they bring you into the character's mind by having to go through the effort to take a cab door to this this uh this airport location redress john candy and shoot <laughs> All for just like a half second of screen time. Yeah. That's so admirable. I love that shit. And it's like, you know, little touches in his directorial stuff that really stands out for me. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that attention to detail is delightful. Um, this, I don't know, uh, I, I find um, this this characterization by John Candy very interesting because, I mean, he, he obviously is, you know, one of the great everyman yes. uh, actors out there. Um, but for for some reason, this particular one just, like, grates me wrong, which is so weird because usually I just, I'm, I'm a big John Candy fan. I love his performances. Mm-hmm. But it's like this time around, it's just kind of like he really is beyond every man to just like, God, you're irritating. I don't know, because like, uh, appa- well, first off, like apparently this is both Steve Martin and John Candy's uh, favorite film of their own. They really freaking love this. Um, but I think, you know, John Candy is considerably different here is because... Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. That that reaction, uh, it, that it, reveal it, is no, so it, fucking it, good. It, it is so good. And I love um, this shot right here where they where they got the moon and stuff, but then they they and it looks so beautiful and clear just to cut over to the nightmare that is Chicago. Yep. And you know what? Back in the the 80s and 90s, that that shit was re- that shot right there. The exterior of the uh, the plane flying. That's actually B roll from Airplane. If you look real closely, you're like, oh my god, I cannot unsee that. <laughs> that's the that's the model airplane that they used on the movie Airplane, which is you know makes sense because this is a Paramount movie and Airplane was also produced by Paramount. Um, but uh, yeah, no, going back to you know John Candy, is that he was uh, uh, he was played this movie about uh, at least as straight as he could. Because, uh, you know, they, they've always described... Steve Martin, I think, actually is the one who described John Candy as really close to his character in this movie, where he was just a real sweet guy, always wanted to please, sometimes, like, maybe a little too much, but you totally... Under, he, he wasn't... He You know, he clearly exaggerated it for the character of Del Griffith, but a lot of the, the truth in that... in of this character is in John Candy himself. Uh, oh, I love this. Right. The fucking feet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like, who does that? Who takes their shoes off on a plane? Like, my gosh. Um, I'll tell you who. Uh, fucking John. Well, John McClane probably would have in later years. Um, or what was it? Uh, make uh, make make a fist with your with your toes shit like that and he's like (laughs) god the atmosphere is just so wonderful (laughs) and i you know the other thing that i really love about this movie especially with steve martin is that you do you know how easily considering you know with a lesser script and a lesser director and a lesser actor they could have made Steve Martin's character totally unlikable to the point where you don't empathize with him at all. Yeah. yeah like, see what I mean? That seriously looks like the home from Home Alone. Um, but yeah, it could have been really easy to do. And, you know, in there's a lot of conventions that, you know, the buddy travel comedy that this movie t- kind of takes, but it actually knows when to diverge from it. And I think that's one of the... Because, you know, it's it's a movie that 
uh, it's you're like, well, that was a sweet experience the first time around. Or like, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. But for some reason, it's one of those movies that takes a while to unleash its greatness upon you. Uh, I think that was something that uh, you know one of my favorite critics, Roger Ebert, wrote because he actually included this movie with his great movies. Believe it or not, it's so strange. Hmm. Oh, yeah, this, where... <laughs> These guys probably would have... Seriously? Seriously? It's, it's so fucking funny that if they had just waited in this airport, they could have avoided the rest of the whole fucking movie, man. <laughs> it's... Okay, and there's you know yep. Ben Stein doing another really good cameo. Not as memorable as Ferris Bueller, but uh, I do love the fucking gag behind him. Yeah, the destination is nowhere. Yup, man, this hit. Wichita has some really sick sense of humor. <laughs> Also, you really got to love the, uh, you know, the pre-9-11 uh, flight conditions for airports. Oh, yeah. Things were a lot more liberal back then. Those were simpler times. So that's another thing that kind of came up. So he just mentioned, like, you know, like your work, love your wife. But yeah. instead of calling home... He calls the inn, and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. First of the breadcrumbs. Yeah, and that's the, the thing that uh, John Candy is so wonderful at here, is that not only does he pepper all these wonderful little things through, and, and you know, also in conjunction of John Hughes' script, but it's that pathos that he brings to it, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it's like he always he, he does have this happy-go-lucky, you know, every man feel but there's still that small pathos of sadness behind him and i and it, he's he, he's such so wonderful for that yeah i oh, mean this. there's there i there's a lot of stuff i love and a lot of stuff i also like dr that drives me nuts about this movie but like little moments like this are what kind of makes the movie like the the weird unique cab driver who's got it yeah. decked out just <laughs> dude actually if i were gonna go get into a cab like this i'd be like fuck yeah i hit the jackpot right because seriously who's have you ever been in like an uber car or like a taxi cab in your lifetime where it's been that souped up uh not not to that level but i i've uh <laughs> I've been, I've been in some some odd vehicles but no nowhere near that level that the suspension even <laughs> oh my god i mean at that point you got to assume he owns the medallion <laughs> yeah for real although it's really funny is like even the fact that uh you know there were a, oh <laughs> 
some of these fucking sign gags are amazing. No bare feet in the lobby. Like there's always there's always a a story behind weird signs like that. <laughs> right. I forgot about Okay, that's another weird. Again, this movie has such wonderful little nuggets of comedy. It's not <laughs> it's never really in the in the uh the foreground. It's always kind of in the background. Cuz like when he's like this is you know, this is my good friend Neil. Nice to meet you, Nick. It's like it goes by so quick and you almost miss it, but god, they're really funny. Oh God! <laughs> that uh, that that those cuts, man, so good. Okay, there's <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh man, these motel, those really shitty motels. Only one bed. What to do? even love how it changes straight to a pov <laughs> okay so that's another thing you know something i've noticed because again it, it's kind of like the movie for me the hangover when that came, movie came out i looked at the trailer and i saw the premise i'm like this is some movie that's gonna fail so hard and then i hear it comes out and it does really really well and whatnot and I watch it for myself, and I'm like, wow. In the hands of lesser actors and writers and directors, this easily could have been a movie that should... This movie should have failed. But because <laughs> it delivers so well on its on its premise and takes full advantage of it, it's it becomes like a classic. And I think it's the kind of the same deal here. Because, you know, when you... Because in, like, a lesser movie, you know, they, they would have taken that kind of... Uh, you know, where they're like, oh, God, we got to sleep together. Oh. It could have come off as, like, homophobic, you know? I love that. Real sweet picture of the wife. But it doesn't really here. It's just more like two stranger, you know, straight guys from the 80s who, you know, have grown up with this sense of uh, um, to kind of fear uh a misunderstood intimacy or something like that or to be shy and distant around other guys and i i feel like you know that's just something that it's not supposed to be homophobic it's just a, for the pure uncomfortableness factor yeah no i mean i i understand that i mean but like you know looking <laughs> at this scene right here just like how is anyone that inconsiderate and how why would he have that other person have left it in a state like that and needed that much. I'm just like, well, to be in all fairness, John Candy is a whole lot of man. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like honestly, like th this is the point where it's like, as I said, like th this is the kind of movie that wouldn't happen today because of advancements and all that kind of stuff. But like, this is the moment where literally I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting an Uber. I'm getting so like. I'm getting something to take me two hours up the road where no one's, where there's not a crowd, where there's not an airport problem. I'll spend the night there and I'll <laughs> head home the next day. Like that's the kind of way I roll. Yeah. It's just like, I don't, 
and it's just the the whole way the the situation is because you know lack of cell phones much less reliance on you know credit and other forms of payments like cash was still king at this point all that kind of stuff it's, yeah it's just like man like this is not how i have lived or would know how to live mm-hmm. it's like looking at a weird like time capsule because I, mean, I, I remember the 80s and i can remember a time like this but by the time it really became my heyday for travel these kind of issues were pretty much non-existent yeah i think you know maybe uh maybe the whole travel like all the travel agencies saw this movie and liked well let's never have anyone go through that like at all ever because <laughs> well, that was I the mean, other thing like they had a hard time trying to find companies to represent on the uh on screen and they couldn't find any because it was all awful and they didn't want and no company wanted to be perceived that way yeah and it, like i get it you know if you get snowed in at an airport it's like yeah all the hotels everything's gonna fill up quickly yeah but the difference here is like their airport's not snowed in their destination airport's snowed in so it's like yeah in the modern age like rent a car do something just get a couple hours down the road the accommodations there are not going to be full because now you're a couple hours away from the airport Mm -hmm. but you know the the hope is like well i want to get the plane tomorrow and it's just like well if it's a five hour drive or just go for it yeah it's like do two hours that night get a hotel do the next four in the morning and just deal with it like come on But we wouldn't get great comedy like this. That's oh, for I think sure. that's what it really comes down to. Because can we talk about how... Oh, yeah, right here. The flights are clearing up. Like, if they had just stayed and yeah. held out, <laughs> they would have made it home just in time. But no, we ha- we, st- we are t- like 23 minutes. We are about 22, 20, 30, 37, 38, 39. You know, so 22 minutes and like 45 seconds in. We've got a whole nother hour of a movie to fill, so... Now, I will say, th- this kind of stuff, though, like, I the have... sounds. Um, yeah, dude. like, I've shared a hotel room with people that, like, you know, going to anime or comic conventions yep. and stuff, yep. and... Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, when your friend will not stop snoring. It's, it's just, oh. nope. Also, can we talk about the sounds that the bed made? What the <laughs> fuck are in those things, dude? Like, seriously, it sounds like it's being stuffed with, like, you know, hay and trash cans. <laughs> I also love how, you know, because you mentioned, like, how you, even though you're friends with people, when they snore at night, you just want to punch their face out. Yeah. But you got to really enjoy the fact that John Candy's character goes the distance by kind of snoring to the tune of shaving a haircut (laughs) 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 so and and this is another thing that i thought was really interesting because like i said this kind of plays around with the whole buddy comedy adventure thing this is the blow-up scene that is inevitable in all of those but if you'll notice it's in the first third of the movie because usually most movies like this will save it for the final third to, you know, let the tension build and build and build. Yeah. Um, but here, no, it's like, because no, like you said, if you were in this situation, you would have bailed already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So right here is the good place to have the blow up. Um, but even better to make the scene even better, not just, you know, structurally, but also characterly. Look at John Candy's face. 
you can see the hurt. And it's actually kind of a great pathos, despite how fucking funny, you know, uh, <laughs> funny uh, all of Steve Martin's insults are. It's still like, wow. <laughs> this kind of actually reminds me of uh, Steve Martin's really great uh, riff about his nose in the movie Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It's very reminiscent of that. <laughs> oh wow, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> you know it's it's great because th this seems really one of something that's really great that a lot of other movies tend to miss is that both characters actually have a little bit of a point and you actually feel for both of them you're not really siding with one or the other because yeah. it's so easy, so easy to make just one character or the other really likable and the other one unbearably annoying to the point where you just want to, you know, fucking punch him in the face the whole time. But honestly, it never really goes that far either way. They, they both have their flaws, but they both have, you know, their redeeming qualities that make them likable as characters. They, they very much do. You're, you're spot on with that. And I love the rising 80s music in the background here. Oh, I know, right? This under Underscore so the 80s. emotional moment. I'm just... <laughs> okay, so another thing to point out about this hotel, because I take it you've been in your share of seedy hotels and whatnot. A few. Yeah. I've been in a couple myself, like nothing like too ridiculous, but... There is one little sneaky detail in this movie, and you got to look real closely because it's in some of the shots. It's in, and it's not in others. I don't. Uh, I can't see it in this one, but I think you'll see it in the next scene, which is you know great comedy in and it of itself. But uh, the uh, the the shitty uh, painting that's above them mm -hmm. in in the bed. Uh, coming up in the next scene in the morning. Uh, you know, after they get fucking robbed. Um, but uh, if you look closely next to the painting, there are two handprints stained on the wall. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and that, when you look at it, when you start to look at where those handprints are, your mind starts to think, where the, how, and what <laughs> position is required to have two stained handprints on the wall that apparently that even a CD motel can't get rid of. What went on in this this hotel room? <laughs> it draws so many questions, but it's such a wonderful little detail. I'll, you'll be able to see it, I think, in the wide shot coming up after the reveal of those yeah, aren't this. pillows. This is so good. And again, I still say it is... Uh, uh, 
uh, I, I still submit to you that this is not like <laughs> homophobic. <laughs> this is not played out to be like a homophobic thing. It's just made to be uncomfortable for two strangers that have just met to be like, no, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I'll be honest, Lydia, I wouldn't mind like snuggling with a dude for the night if need be you know <laughs> oh god now oh, why john candy i see doesn't what you mean about the handprints yeah right there the handprints right behind, if you look real closely there are handprints and you wonder how did that get, how what position is required for that but i also love this bit right here where they're like they're talking about the bears <laughs> <laughs> Although, why John Candy doesn't immediately wash his hands, because knowing yeah. where they've been, yeah, that's the part that always kind of like, wait a minute, you might. Why is Steve Martin the one in the uh, in the oh. bathroom? Although oh, it's God. because of this scene. Oh, this... I hate this scene so much. Like, I hate feeling embarrassed for people. Oh! You know, like you also, know, also I don't the like underwear. Gross. <laughs> oh God! No! Nope. <laughs> oh my God! I'm looking at you, Sean. Like you're like holding it, just <sighs> no, <Nope. sighs> nope. nope. trying to hold in your lunch. Hold it in. <laughs> oh my God! And the worst thing is they had to make it brown socks so it looks like a fucking I, turd. I love her reaction like, you shared a motel room with a stranger. And I'm like, yes, thank you. The wife is sane. Good. Right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And, and worse, you know, he's like having to like snuggle up like next to him, which... Honestly, I don't, because with a stranger, yeah, that's a bit of a no-go zone for me. But if it's for, like, a friend or whatever, fine, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I wouldn't mind that, because fucking snuggles are amazing. <laughs> I mean, look, there, there's all kinds of circumstances with people you know. With strangers, mm -hmm. it's a whole different ballgame. Totally. And as someone, uh, you know, like... Because you could have, like, meets a, a really nice stranger on the street or whatnot. And you can tell, real sweethearted individual, but it's totally not the person you'd want to hang out with more. Oh, yeah. And that and that's fine. Like, you're like, hey, man, that was really sweet. But, no, I think I got my fill. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this motherfucker is, uh, is stuck with him for the next five days. <laughs> Oh, and also I love this whole, you know, misunderstanding. That's that's another really great thing is that, you know, at when both parties are innocent and it's a total misunderstanding, but it's only known to the audience and not the characters. <laughs> you know what? I have a question here. Yeah. Do you see how thick John Candy's wallet is? Yeah. What does he have in there when we know he doesn't have credit cards? You know, my guess is that uh, he keeps, like, if you ever saw the movie um, uh, uh, Catch Me If You Can with DiCaprio and Tom yeah. Hanks. 
Uh, you know how DiCaprio's character tends to keep like lots of labels from shit in his wallet and whatnot. Uh -huh. That's, uh, I imagine you know, uh, being a traveling salesman for uh, ring, like uh, shower curtain rings, he keeps like a lot of business cards and hotel memorabilia. Um, yeah. in his wallet that's that's like my guess because if you look real closely on his uh um on his uh trunk all of the stickers are all hotels and hotel memorabilia which <laughs> makes sense because it's the only place that he's been and then this Fair. is one of my favorite little bit part acting bits see if mar uh if mark borison was here for marvel movie of the month uh we'd be like wait who's this character Oh shit! It's fucking Kurt Connors from Spider-Man Two and Three. <laughs> but no, cats. That's uh, Dylan Baker, uh, who's actually a really wonderful little bit uh, character actor in his own right. But can you believe this is his first movie? I mean, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me so much, just because i'm so used to seeing him play like more of a businessman and such so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that this is where he comes in <laughs> this moment oh my god oh! did you see, did you see oh. steve martin's face did you see it okay yeah. it's really oh, yeah. quick but when it comes into frame okay so like like i said before john hughes is really known for his improv he totally told uh, uh dylan baker to spit in his uh hand and then shake Steve Martin's hand because Steve Martin's a legit germaphobe, so that look of disgust <laughs> is totally genuine, <laughs> and it makes for such good comedy. Apparently, the entire crew was like laughing their ass off at that take. Oh, this is so. I th this might be like the most eightiesist, Illinoisiest cameo that I've ever seen. Along with this <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, we got it. We're good. It's it's done. See? It's good. We're good. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God. I also love the sound that the sounds that come out of Dylan Baker's mouth were just a <clears throat> <laughs> it's so <laughs> but I, I I can uh I can guarantee you dude like having you know I grew up in, near the Chicagoland area but you know tw I'm like at the very edge of the outskirts like mm -hmm. I'm close I'm more closer to Wayne and Garth in Aurora I gotcha <laughs> Um, so about 20 minutes south, you'll see a lot of this. Uh, and I submit to you, I guarantee you there are people like this in Illinois. Well, there's people like that everywhere. <laughs> Looking like fucking Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they took a little liberty with that. Okay, so we've been on planes, we've been on automobiles, and now we're getting to the trains portion of the movie. And apparently, like like I said, the, they were having such a hard time getting actual travel agency companies to be represented right. on here. Because they were so inept and it was such a, a hellish experience for the characters. Yeah. So they, uh, I think for this one was probably the hardest because they actually got an abandoned 
train station, dressed it up as a set, and they made a fake train company called Contrack, <laughs> uh, which which is really funny because it sounds like Comtrack. Um, no, but uh, it, it's I think it was supposed to be like a, a, a splice between the real companies Conrail and Amtrak. Uh, but yeah, they even used like. I don't know, 10 miles of disused uh, um, uh, track. Dis yeah, disused track just to get some of the shots. And it was kind of a nightmare. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, disused tracks in the first place are going to be kind of a nightmare. Yeah. But oh, that man. is so Midwest right there. I mean, yeah, looking dude. out this window, it's just... <laughs> for real. Because I used to, like I said, I took the train home for for uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas during uh, my college days. And, yeah, looking out to those, uh, to all the, the, the countryside and whatnot, that's, that's fucking Indiana and Illinois, man. That's exactly what it looks like. And, of course, because this... This tri trip will never end, and we've still got, <laughs> you know, we still got fifty-four minutes of movie left. Something wrong has to go. Something, something has to go wrong. Yeah, I think that's all. Honestly, one of the very that that they keep the the hits coming so quickly that it's just kind of like really again another I know, another right? like. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing about this movie. I mean, despite the fact that, you know, there are all these horrible things that go wrong in, you know, really, that really play well for the comedy and whatnot, um, they still really manage to keep it tight, you know, because it's still just a 90-minute movie. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's – I also credit a lot of that to, you know, the editor Paul Hirsch, who, if you don't know, you know, 10 years prior, he made his uh, name with uh, Star Wars – well, what I what I find most interesting, you know, as you were talking about, you know, with companies not wanting to be a part of this because of how bad they show. And, you know, particularly now having dealt with a lot of uh, travel and accommodation issues and things like that. Um, most companies that I know will do something will almost bend over backwards to make sure that you don't have a nightmare story to tell. Because the last thing any company wants in the in this day and age, when everything can be put online and be you know, covered and go and viral, like they don't yeah. want someone coming out there with a nightmare story that they didn't help or do anything. Yeah. Okay, here's another really great little character bit. What the fuck is this guy with the mice mouse mice in the box? <laughs> what is that? What is the story behind this character? It's there for the one shot, but it's never explained. And you know what? I'm all for the not explaining the bits. It just makes it the more funnier. It's just the little what the fuck touches. God, it, that's that's the I think one of the great things about this movie because the the bit character parts are just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you two, get a room. <laughs> my God, they're really, really yeah, into it. Yeah, like I, I don't know how you would, like what I don't get is like why does he not just look away? Like why do you? Because why... comedy. Uh... <laughs> I 
This movie oh. really is kind of a cartoon, isn't it? <laughs> oh boy. Although it's really <laughs> That's a great joke. It is. That's a great joke. Um but yeah, well so now we're on bu- so okay, so we've had taxicabs, we've had buses, we've had trains and we've had planes. The only thing missing is the rent-a-car, which we're going to get eventually. So we truly and we've pretty much they even these guys have tried to fucking just straight up walk. Oh, boy. Yeah, like, I saw this, and this was the moment where I was just like, yeah, I'm completely Steve Martin's character, and screw all these other people. <laughs> I'm like, what a, an amazing standard, you know? Uh, I, I have a, I love the version by Sinatra, and I'm just like, what, what, what is this? Come on. It's like, uncultured swine. You uncultured swine. swine. Uh, see? <laughs> see? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god so they've gone from wichita to god knows where to and finally now they're in st louis <laughs> they are on the <laughs> oh the, the 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 people he's selling this stuff to oh my gosh <laughs> so good so good and i can tell this is like you know like john hughes like just to tell him to John Candy, like just, just go, just go, just do it, because you know you can. They, you see, like despite being multiple customers and whatnot, they're using basically the same backdrop, just you know from different directions to kind of yeah. fool the eye. What what I love so about I imagine this, that was, yeah, what I love about this moment right here, it makes you wonder who are these people that are playing video games in this like bus station on thanksgiving weekend because like when you look right? at their attire it's like i i think they went there just um, to do this uh, honestly i'm pretty sure those are the kids that are like i don't want to spend holidays with my freaky aunt and my <laughs> uptight uncle i want to get the fuck out of my house so i'm not one who wears earrings or anything but if there's any female <laughs> uh, listeners out there at all um let's try to bring back shower curtain ring attire like let's let's make that a thing you know i was actually at a wedding not long ago and i saw a dude who like it was a very strange wedding full of wonderful characters you were there it was uh for our friend julie's wedding oh okay, there was a guy yes. dressed in yeah there was a dude dressed uh, in uh, uh, a rubber ducky uh shower shower curtain basically and had like a whole bunch of bells on on his sides and had like a tiny little uh purple hat just dancing around i forget who that was but he was one of the more memorable characters there and that could have easily been like you know some shower curtain attire like bring bring the the shower bring shower curtain rings back into in, into the mainstream we're bringing it back that moment where he's like dude you've overstayed your welcome you're a sweethearted soul out of my wife i i love how it plays it's like we've put our heads together and you can just see him leading into it it's like oh yeah he's getting on board he's finally oh (laughs) 
<laughs> Such good chemistry with it, dude. Well, and perfect delivery. Yeah, dude. Per- I mean, whether or not I like the character, uh, you know, John Candy, I mean, his talent is, is unquestionable. I mean, he, he absolutely he, he nails it really well. So I'm actually curious, what's your favorite John Candy performance outside of, you know, this movie? Because outside, just in general. Um, it's hard for me to say, although it might actually be Uncle Buck. Okay, right on. That's one of the few that I still haven't actually sat down and watched. I'm, yeah, that's... I'm pro- you know, I'm um, probably going to have to watch that this Thanksgiving myself. It's, it's a... Uh, you know, I... I it, it's a great John Hughes movie, and I think it's such a great vehicle for John Candy. I, I really do, do enjoy it. Oh, for it. sure. For sure. As a matter of fact, I imagine, you know, uh, John Hughes working on uh, this movie, uh, he ha- wrote uncle buck specifically for john candy just to work with him again yeah oh, this sequence <laughs> oh this sequence oh, this, from hell yeah. oh my god because he's just because now we've okay we've yeah now but again this is one of those car. but this is one of those moments where it's like this would not be an issue in the age of cell phones yeah yeah it's like you would call them and be like hey this is what's up mm-hmm. do something about it There is no car. And the bus has left. And it's on the far, far side of the lot. So now we've gone from planes, we've gotten trains, we've gotten taxis, we've gotten buses. And now the rent-a-car we can't get to. And now we have to walk all the way back. Oh, this sequence is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the craziest bit is, like, you can feel how seething he is. Yeah, but, but... I mean, I just, like, I understand how angry he is, but I am also such a, like, paranoid cover-my-butt kind of person Mm -hmm. that, for me, it's just like, yeah, I'm sorry, but... I would have kept all that paperwork because I'm going to walk back in there with every piece of ammunition and shove it in someone's face. (laughs) Oh my God. The snow. Jesus. That's some chaplain shit right there. Oh my God. Not the hat. Oh, that poor man. That poor man. (laughs) And like this never allowed, never allowed in the world. Like, like nine 11, Never nope. in a million years. No. Nope. Oh my god, the soggy shoes. Perfect sound design. Uh, <laughs> look on his face, I swear. Uh, oh, and then of course the uh, the wonderful <laughs> Edie McClurg. I love this dialogue that she has with her because apparently this is all her. Like, she just, uh, like, based this on pretty much all her real life. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, this is the this is one of the great scenes in this movie. Because, like, uh, again, the rest of the movie totally would have flown in 1987 with a PG rating. 
it probably would have oh, been yeah. fine. It probably would have gotten maybe a PG-13, whatever. But it could have, but, you know, back in the 80s when, you know, ratings weren't as fucking uptight as they are now. But back then, it could have easily gotten a PG rating. But this is the one scene where there are literally no fucks given. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's actually really funny because this is the halfway point of the movie. Like, this is where all the fucks are not given halfway through the movie. 18 fucks, by the way. 18 exact precise fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I want a fucking car right fucking now. <laughs> this great period on the on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's perfect. Perfect. Love it. And it's so weird because you would think, you know, because if a movie is going to be, like, you know, especially in the 80s, like, all right, if we're going to be R rated, we're going to pepper the fucks throughout and, right. you know, have a fuck a couple of shits. It's literally just this one scene. And for some reason, that actually makes it funnier. Because, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, if you're, uh, if you withhold the, uh, the in information, when you actually do show it, it gains that much more power. <laughs> I really want to use that in real life one of these days. That's that's such a good comeback. Ow. <laughs> oh, shit. And of course, he just can't fucking get rid of Del Griffith. <laughs> no! Oh. No! touch bad touch um you know it's really crazy i just realized this looking at this but first off uh he's got a a, a one of those um uh shit what do you call them the, uh, the, yeah the woodies because uh, i know that they're like look i want i really want a a, a wood a wood car to kind of wood panel car yeah yeah to reference you know christmas vacation and shit <laughs> <laughs> the high voice good shit good shit but i'm like you know, like i want to reference do you know have like a little reference to it <laughs> oh my god the, <laughs> the voice but uh yeah they wanted to do that but i just noticed that uh the the car has like a little hood ornament with the name d which i'm like how did he get so lucky that he actually had his first name, his first name's initial, 
to be the hood ornament. That was that was such a weird touch for me. Hmm. <laughs> oh, this this is some comedy gold. And this is a hundred and ten percent ripped off in uh, the Pixar short short film Mike's New Car. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I don't think I have. Yeah, Pixar did. You know, they they're known for their short films and whatnot, but they tend to use uh, do short films that are you know with the characters from their individual movies. They did one with uh, Monsters Inc., where uh, Mike Wazowski got a new car and they play mm. around with the uh, the the seat and whatnot. And I'm like, looking at the the joke this joke now i'm like oh my god they totally ripped that <laughs> off and it, i kind of low-key like them for that <laughs> it... oh he's gonna take his shoes off again isn't he yep he's trying to get his shoes off because i don't know if you've noticed but another little character thing, and I think this was on uh, John Candy's choice. I could be totally wrong, though. But if you notice, uh, whenever you know you see the wides of Del Griffith or Del, mm -hmm. and you see uh, uh, his shoes, his boots are always un, uh, untied or unzipped. Hmm. So he still he really likes his feet aired out for some reason, which I thought was really yeah. It's like a little little character touches like that that really make this a thing. Because, again, I think it's because there's so many wonderful little things that they squeeze into the cracks <laughs> of the movie um, <laughs> that uh, uh, it, 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 it builds upon you over time. It's not something that you quite get the first time around. So who knows? Maybe in a few years you'll be thinking about this movie rather differently. Or it'll just be the same. Who knows? Eh, as I said, I mean, there's things to definitely like about it. It's just yeah, totally. A lot of the the humor isn't so much my style, but that doesn't yeah. mean I can't appreciate the performances or the moments that you know do work for me. So yeah. I mean, gosh, <laughs> like honestly, a lot of the segments with this car are some of the best segments in this whole movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that's better <laughs> you know I wonder if that was actually like a rig that they built in the interior of the car on the studio or whatnot. Like they, so they, yeah. there was just like one person who controlled all the, the, the actions of the seat and whatnot. so Steve Martin wouldn't know what to expect that would have been a really smart thing to do I also, I also find that moment kind of odd. He's like, I'm going to sleep. I'm putting my wallet in the glove box. Don't let me forget it. And I'm just like, do you not have a front pocket? Also, that's a setup. <laughs> that's I mean, like a it, hardcore setup. I mean, it totally is. But I'm just the kind of person where it's like, I would keep it on me just in a different pocket. Like, I don't get it. I guess it's just, you know, it's just John Hughes messing around. <laughs> Doing the mess around. Uh, I do like this song, actually. I, I, I kind of low-key really love Ray Charles. <laughs> John Candy's just really feeling it, man. This actually feels kind of pre-blue, uh, uh, pre or a little uh, 
Feels almost like a Blues Brothers tribute. A bit. Oh, this is, it's also not the first time, like, uh, on a road to Chicago, road home to Chicago, that uh, um, John Candy has been showing off his musical dance. Oh. Remember, yeah, remember that little cameo that he had in Home Alone? That was really good. Also written by John Hughes. Yeah, that's right. Directed by, too. Mm, are you sure? What? I'm pretty pretty sure he, he also directed um, uh, Home Alone. Oh, well, no, my mistake. That was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Chris Columbus. Yeah, I, I didn't think he had done anything. I thought Curly Sue was his last. So. Yep. That's that's yep that's on my point. again you tend to forget like just because you know oh it's a John Hughes movie and you tend to forget well yeah like, well they, only... a, a lot yeah because he kept writing so a lot of his the feel of his stuff still existed in a lot of other movies yes because he wrote them oh my god Jesus Christ dude that you're driving around in Chicago in late November in the eighties dude like. Just let it go. Pull over. Yeah, uh, like that. The whole time I was watching this sequence, the first time, just like, do you ha, do you not just pull over? Like, come There's on. There's no one on the road, so it doesn't really matter too much. Because, like, we've both driven, you know, home from the holidays. Uh, oh yeah. And it's that those roads get fucking slick. Oh yes. I mean, I remember driving around uh, in the middle of the night trying to get home for christmas one year and it was really snowed out there and i got i actually re uh flew off the road from some black ice Ooh. uh thankfully i landed in like a heap of soft snow uh in the middle of a like like in the uh property of a farm that was like way out in the way i didn't hit anything or anything i just had a hard time like getting back out <laughs> i took it me I... about 20 minutes to get myself back out but i you know I, the car was okay so i was cool i have slid off the road into trees oh, at geez. 75 miles an hour like i walked away from that without a scratch but i thought i was gonna die yeah so like i have a lot of respect and care for winter roads and same it's just like i do not understand why it's like you wouldn't just pull over like for real dude <laughs> I just covering it up like yeah yeah you're probably right i didn't just have oh god we almost died <laughs> but yeah you would I, think he could have just pulled out because again there's like nothing around here this shot is really fucking great yeah kind of <laughs> oh shit the twin the twin truck drivers from hell And of course, he's going the wrong way. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. <laughs> and I love that you could just see the wisps of smoke in the back from the cigarette. Yes. yes. Like the cars at this point is burning. Yep. They don't just quite get it. <laughs> yeah you're right i didn't notice that before i uh, it it's those little bits of detail that are so important yes 
Unless, unless you're, uh-oh. <laughs> oh no! That is so dis that is so uh, dis un that is so concerning. He's like, oh, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> Truck, truck! <laughs> this little insert is amazing. <laughs> and there goes their stuff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> Fingernails. <laughs> oh. Oops. <laughs> let's just Let's just grab our stuff very quietly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look out. But man, that little insert of like seeing them as dead and then John Candy is the devil. Yeah. I don't know what's funnier. The fact that they took the time and effort to, you know, plant that image into your mind. But the fact that they got that costume, it clearly is clearly such a shitty Halloween costume. Yes. I don't know what, I don't know why that makes that funnier. You know, because I think that's how he sees it. It's because he's like a <laughs> devil, but also a clown. To, to... It, yeah, like it keeps that you know that one foot in burlesque almost. Yeah. but like that's how Neil sees him. Like he didn't see him as the actual devil. It's like a clowny devil. Yes, and I, I do. I just love that moment. It's like, oh yeah, this will buff right out. It's just like, dude, there, there's a point where optimism has to go. Yes. <laughs> Where all abandon, where all ye must abandon hope. You know, places like you know, fucking twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy! Like, okay, so we are what? We are an hour and and three minutes, twenty six, twenty seven. So we're about you know roughly about an hour through. Uh, and yeah, it feels like uh, where we are in like the fall for twenty twenty. <laughs> where we're just like holy shit this is this shit is dangerous and we just have to sit on the side of the road and <laughs> and find out that our car is on fire everything's on fire we are the dog <laughs> we are the dog meme everything's on fire this is fine this is fine oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, welp. <laughs> Steve Martin's reaction, just laughing about it. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna die. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's funny because everything's awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just uh, you know, this is actually the one point where I think John Candy's actually did overstep his bounds. <laughs> Because, yeah. like, they would parted ways at that point. You know? Like, they, they like, found each other after he bought the car, or rented the car. A complete, total, like, weird circumstance. <laughs> okay, that's another thing. Did you, you hear those sounds? <laughs> yes. I know it's, because that's... It, this is supposed to be a really dramatic moment, but I love how that sound effect really undercuts it and keeps it funny. But it's exactly the sound that damn kind of coat makes. Yeah, exactly. For real. <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, I really wish a lot of more comedy filmmakers would use is use the sound to get a laugh. <laughs> you know, use the staging to get a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. I'm surprised that thing still fucking runs. Uh, yeah, I I was too. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> For real? <laughs> and again, the the way that they the I don't know, I forget who the production designer on this was. Um, but for some reason, they just have like really good keys in to make things as sleazy as possible. Because if you notice, there are <laughs> not one but two signs to indicate this is the office to the hotel, right? <laughs> That's so unnecessary for some reason, but it just kind of works. I don't know how. Because I still don't know if that's like a John Hughes thing or if it's actually, you know, the production designer. Oh, God. Yeah, this, you remember we were talking about yeah. how having the wallet in the glove box is going to be a setup for later. <laughs> well, here we are. Extra crispy. Crispy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I gotta say, that's, for a crappy motel, that seems like way overpriced for the time period. No kidding. I feel like that would be like, you know, 20 bucks. Who 
was this bit actor here? I because he feels so fucking familiar. Oh yeah, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh... Oh yeah, now I remember. He's the uh, the the dude who gets uh, eaten by the T Rex in Jurassic Park. The one oh, on the yeah. toilet. Yeah, yeah, Martin Ferrero. God, yeah, because I swear this movie a lot like this movie is filled with like a lot of you know bit character actors that feel so familiar and yet you can never remember their names yeah uh, I have some shower curtain rings I love how he's just like <laughs> he's he's so he's such a salesman about it. Although mercifully they have two beds this time. Thank God. And a very strange picture of what I think is Johnny Cash. Uh maybe it might, could also be Elvis Costello or Elton John maybe. No, Maybe. I don't think Elton John. Yeah, you're right. It would. It's. It's not nearly as colorful enough. Man, imagine a place where they have a lock on the phone. Well, yeah, you're right. Because like in a day of cell phone uh, use, like, you know, he he would have like texted and called his wife several times throughout this picture, but oh, because yeah. you know he can just never get a fucking break, and all you have are pay phones. Look at that sign on the door. <laughs> mm. yeah this is the scene where i feel like it almost feels like john candy isn't even acting they just kind of turn the camera on and have him go because uh, I think it was, um, yeah, it was Roger Ebert's uh, Great Movies Review. He actually talked about uh, meeting John Candy uh, at a bar. He was, you know, having a, he was having a cigar and a drink to himself. <clears throat> um, and they were going to be on a TV show uh, the next day. And when he met him, he found out he was actually really depressed. You know, people loved him, but he didn't seem to know that or it wasn't enough. And he called him a sweet guy, and nobody had to word ha, had a word to say against him. But he was still down on himself, and all he ever wanted to do was make people laugh. Sometimes tried too hard, and he hated doing that for uh, for doing that in some of his movies. And when he told that to Roger, he said, "Well, Roger thought of his character here in Dell, because you know there's a lot of truth to his humanity that he plays here." and you know what i guess this movie especially this scene right here is that there's a little bit of uh hope for you know troubled families out there that you know even the most annoying and just pain in the butt people that you hang out with you can still find some good in them and you can still oh, yeah. have a good time in them and if there's hope for these two, these two strangers that have been through absolute hell for <laughs> days on end, maybe there's hope for us too, you know? 
And that 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 warms my heart. <laughs> See, now he's channeling cool runnings. Right. <laughs> another another really great perform. That's I think that might be that's for me that's because uh, i still haven't seen uncle buck but uh cool runnings is kind of one of my favorite john candy movies uh, i think that it's it's arguably his most approachable yeah for sure for sure even though that movie is grossly inaccurate uh oh, it's yeah. super super entertaining either way because that was kind for, of a, a staple growing up for me for some peak john candy though i would also recommend great outdoors oh cool right on um I also really loved him in Spaceballs as uh, Barf. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see a whole lot of Barf cosplayers out there. Although I did run into one a few years ago at uh, Animarathon at uh, BG, mm. which was really cool. He even had the, uh, uh, the what was it, the canned, uh, the, the, can, the can of Schwartz, liquid Schwartz, mm. which I thought was really cool. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> and may we find the search for more money <laughs> yeah, and yeah speaking of you know Hollywood making money and all that shit did you hear about that there's supposed to be a remake with this movie that's coming down the pipe it's hmm. right yeah right now it's rumors and shit right now but um, it apparently they're thinking about remaking this with uh, Will Smith and Kevin Hart Right now it's in development and it's How do I don't you know. tell the story in a world with cell phones? <laughs> I don't know because honestly this is such a thing of its time and we're and because of the lack the limitations of travel back then are not nearly as constrained as they are now I don't know how they could pull it off and have that kind of the same level of humanity that this movie has. Uh, I really hope it's just like something that stays in development in hell permanently and never gets remade because <laughs> who needs a remake to for this 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 movie's fu already fucking perfect <laughs> ah so you think they would have been like smoking weed or something like that rather right. than just instead of booze although to be fair this trip does need some fucking weed <laughs> to just relax, you know what I'm saying? Come on, use that use that Illinois ingenuity. Have you ever seen that uh, that video of the uh, the the people stuck, like the four people in their car stuck in the ice roads, and they're all pushing backwards and forwards inside the car, trying <laughs> to get the car to go? <laughs> it's like uh... so wonderful. <laughs> Oh dear. We gotta run. Run away. Run away. That's like there was nothing. not a credit card with attached with this. Nope. Move, move, nope. move. Run. Run away. We didn't we didn't see nothing. We saw nothing. Go. Run away. Get out of here. Oh my god, seriously. The the perils of getting through the plowed snow. But I love that little touch there. They actually turn on their put their turn signal on right. only to go the opposite way. <laughs> They just committed. They just committed a, a destruction of property, but right. they still courteous enough to put their turn signal on, despite it being the wrong way. 
Oh my god, this car, this is the little car that could, I swear. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here come the popo. Hilariously, that's about the speed I typically drive to Chicago now. Well, yeah, I mean, on these back-end roads, absolutely well, I would be. Oh, well, no, no. I would say, like, I drive that because I go on the turnpike now, whereas oh, okay. I get why in, you know, what, 88, 87 when this movie was made? Like, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, I get it. See, I actually, for the longest time, tried to avoid taking the the uh, the, the turnpikes and the freeways uh, going. Well, for, well, at least while I was in college for uh, BG, because... Uh, uh, usually whenever I take the turnpike, for some reason, I wind up either in downtown Chicago or somewhere in Michigan, and I mm. always got lost, and it was always just a royal pain in the ass. Uh, and then I found that I, if I just take Route 6 from Bowling Green all the way into Illinois, it would take me you know, roughly about half hour, 40 minutes away from where I lived. And I could just take the back roads there. So I would literally take this one long stretch of highway through the countries to get wow. home. I mean, it, it added a little bit extra time. But to be fair, it was, I actually liked the scenic route. And there was one stretch of area of road where the, I, I'm talking there's nothing. No towns, no farms, no cops, no nothing. So every once in a while, especially during the summer... I'd ran down those roads at like 100 miles an hour, usually to uh, fuel by Metallica. Good times, man. Good times. So interesting uh, piece of trivia about this scene. Yeah. He gets fourth billing. That The actor, I can't remember his name right now. He has yeah. fourth billing in this movie, and this is his only scene. Yeah, he was... Uh, uh, well, he, his scene was supposed to go a lot longer. Like, apparently, there was this whole thing where, you know, he would take the, his their characters all the way up to uh, um, to the outer Chicago area huh. and whatnot. But uh, for some reason, it just kind of got cut. Um, there's a lot of shit that got cut. Like I said, this, there's this whole bit where um, this was supposed to be, like, the original work print was, like, three and a half hours long. And apparently, yeah, it is. Um, and apparently, like, it does exist somewhere in the Paramount vaults. But even before jo John Candy passed away, uh, apparently it's completely deteriorated. Mm. <laughs> I love that little bit part where he's got a black eye. And he's like, oh, <laughs> the driver's kind of nervous. He doesn't like people sitting there. And he's like, did he just take a punch? <laughs> Seriously. Because, uh, honestly, um, it might have been a deleted scene with the state trooper there it might yeah. have been because who knows what the hell really happened during those scenes because we've never seen them before but the comedy in that the driver is so shy and so nervous that he actually <laughs> like punched him in self-defense makes it a little bit funnier i think and like we said before like we, we were talking about how he was you know playing the saxophone with his hands and doing his musical dance things uh yeah oh there it is the chicago loop good old chicago i miss that city but this is the second time on his way home to chicago for the holidays 
that John Candy's been the, in the back of a semi truck. Mm-hmm. Finally in LaSalle. Good old, the, the, the old Chicago loop. <laughs> Boy, I miss this city. On the uh, the uh, the above ground uh, train system, which the city's famous for, and we actually um, um, earlier this this season we actually got to visit it in a, another movie entirely with Spider Man Two. Finally, the goodbye comes to an end. As if the trains in Chicago wait that long. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, if if this movie was going to remain consistent in its tone and and add that little punctual realism, that tr that train would have left already, and they would have oh, been like, yeah. well, looks like you're stuck with me again. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that there is an advertisement for a cell phone behind him right there. <laughs> a little bit. And I love it's that just look like, on his face. I don't face. know if it's intentional or not, but like that is such a yup, this would have solved everything moment. <laughs> oh my god, you're totally right. That's so crazy. Cuz yeah, this was when cell phones were just bare in its infancy. Mhm. But I do love this this montage scene. And again, this is something that only could have been accomplished uh in the editing room. Cuz apparently, you know, this scene where, you know, Steve Martin's just going through because i love the montage here where he's thinking about his kids and then he's thinking about his wife and the pie and the turkey and all the things that he's going to be when he gets home he's thinking about thanksgiving this is the things that you know we as far as humanity goes it's it's totally understandable um but uh apparently this whole bit was completely born out of the editing room because uh, it was all without um, Steve Martin ever even knowing the camera was on. His laughter, facial expressions, its its it all like kind of magically worked for John Hughes. And he was able to find the right edits in there. Because, you know, now he's thinking, of, first he was thinking about his wife. And then how he was thinking about the same thing when, you know, he was snuggled up next to him. And he starts putting together all these little crumbs that he's had and he just finally starts to realize what's going on although I do want to know how the hell did he get back to the exact same station did right, and, well, and with a train coming the other direction, it's like, no, no, there's usually double sets of tracks. What is this? Yeah, because it's like, did he just wait for the train to make its entire loop back around? Because that would have been a long wait. Yeah, it would have. Because I, I, I've never actually personally ridden any of those trains, but even I'm thinking, like, for such a big city of Chicago, you'd think it would take, like, a, a really long time to get you know all the way back around to where he started oh yeah but 
you know what, I'm willing to forgive it just because the emotional poignancy is so strong here. And this is the moment where you kind of feel where all great acting is born, where the where the act where the camera can just feel the idea forming in their head. And that's a sweet idea. Just you know, you, you know, just like that part where you you know, you can just oh, you know, my wife always makes too much stuffing and thing and turkey. Why don't you come with us? Boy, don't you miss the days where this was the your average this was uh, the average man's house? I don't think an, I think he's an advertising exact. I don't think he's an average man at this point. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like the standards for living were like ridiculously better in the 80s. Agreed. But, you know, af I think that's the real payoff to this. Like after all and maybe and you know what? I'm really hoping that for everyone for Christmas at the end of this year is that after all the hell and all the pain and all the suffering and all the massive headaches that we've been having this year, that maybe we can finally come home to our family like this. Synth 80s score and all. Okay? <laughs> like, just, we deserve this kind of, this level of melodramatic cheese at the end of the year. You know? Although I'd still, if I were the wife, I'd be like, why the hell didn't you call? <laughs> That'd be like the first thing out of my my line. Like, why the hell didn't you call? You were gone for like five days. It's Thanksgiving Day. Where were you? Right. But it's okay, because we got a really tender moment here. And I really love that John Candy's expression here is the last shot of the movie freeze frame all important movies end with a freeze frame <laughs> all important movies end with a freeze frame sean that's that's just good cinema you know <laughs> i'm not uh, this argument yeah but huh it's just yeah i always forget like you know it's it's a real it's a comedy and it's fun it's kind of cartoony at times but it always it always kind of oh, paul hirsch um it really just it's a wonderful reminder to that how warm this movie is because yeah. you know it's 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 the little thing you know that's the other thing because you know like you know how the little things add up in the family that make it really great same thing with this movie. It's the little things that add up that makes this movie really great. This movie gets yeah, it. I'd agree with that. It's, you know, the, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the, uh, um, gosh, I'm stuttering over here now. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, the, the movie definitely, you know, it definitely has heart and I appreciate that. And, while there is a lot of comedy in it that is not my style of comedy, 
Um, it's the the heart that comes through that that makes the movie what it is, For and sure. there's a lot of those. And, but you know, it's not you know because it is a comedy and 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 over the top and ridiculous. It's like those moments have to build, uh, and and be put together slowly. And mm-hmm. you know, as you were kind of saying with the montage there, I think this whole movie is kind of like just it's very well put together. I mean, yes, they had a really long working cut, but um, the the editing of this movie is spot on to create a like slick, quick, comedic movie. Um, yeah, it's really do, tight. Yeah, I do have some issues with like you know, where in the world was Dell going? It's like if he doesn't go home, like who's traveling around Thanksgiving that doesn't have to? I honestly, like, I think he was just traveling. He wasn't. He was. I think he was like you know, let's. Uh, I'm going to go from, like, New York to Chicago because, you know, New York was a really big city. Now I think I'll work Chicago next as far as my salesman. And, but ultimately I'm going to be spending the holidays alone. I think that was the mindset that he was. And he just happened to find a friend along in the unlikely character of Neil, and he just decided to tag along a lot more than he was letting on. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of it, but I don't know. It's just like... If that uh, was a little bit more clear, yeah. Yeah, because uh, just for me, it's a very odd thing. Like, I don't... Um, I mean, I understand he's a salesman and that there's a level of, of being nomadic with that, but I don't know really any salesmen of that nature who are working, you know, around the holiday. Like, that's going to always typically be like a four-day weekend. Mm-hmm. particularly for the kind of stuff he's selling. So I'm just like, yes. well, like he's obviously traveling with some level of intent. He had to have somewhere in mind. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't just like, well, I'm just going over here on a prayer. Like, nah, you're going somewhere. And that, that lack of establishment was always just like, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But, I, you I, know. I, yeah. It's a lot, like a minor thing where it's like the rest of the movie, because that's usually my case for movies. Yeah, you can have, like, plot holes that you can drive trucks through and whatnot. But if you have enough good stuff, I'm really willing to forgive a lot more. A a lot, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's... uh, I mean, I'll point out issues like that that bother me, but that's... I'm not going to say, like, that ruined the whole movie. Like, no. Yeah. No, of course not. Of course not. And this is really good. But, oh, my God, you're totally right. Michael McKean is the state trooper fourth billing in this whole script and he got like maybe what a minute tops of screen time <laughs> yeah i think like at most like two two minutes like he's Boy, barely there i really hope someone like working at paramount or what's left of paramount in you know this culture of disney monopoly <laughs> um Oof. yeah exactly like uh i hope someone actually manages to dig out like the old deleted scenes and whatnot and just you don't even have to make because apparently like it's such a me- a mess of a work print that it would never work but it'd be mm-hmm. fun as like a dvd extra is like all these deleted scenes and whatnot because who knows what kind of comedy is out there to be inspired by um although speaking of uh really great comedy <laughs> there's this really great joke coming up here because you know this is when john hughes was doing the post credit scenes for his movies boss is still trying to decide (laughs) still 90 minutes later 
with his turkey and, and Thanksgiving dinner there in the boardroom, still trying to decide which one. I mean, it's a great gag. Oh, uh, yeah. That, see, that's like definitely, you know, a note from like a, a, a airplane as well, as far as comedy beats mm-hmm. go. Just a tiny little detail from the very opening of the movie, and it becomes the post-credit, like, uh, gag. Like, with the taxi driver, he's like, well, I've been waiting, but you know what? I'll give him another 20 minutes, but after that, I'm gone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, like, because, like, as we mentioned, that's not the only airplane little thing that was mentioned. So maybe, you know, maybe I think uh, John Hughes was like, that airplane is fucking comic genius and i'm gonna steal a cup i'm gonna steal like the most uh the 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 least talked about jokes from those movies <laughs> and i'm gonna put them into my movie well so. i mean what what is uh what's that old saying um uh, something like good artists uh copy great artists steal yes yes they do <laughs> Because that's something that I've always tried to do in, you know, my movies is like, I don't want to capture, like, copy this, you know, beat for beat or anything. But I do want to capture the feel of that. And that's always yeah. the right way to go. Oh, no, I, I think one of the most hilarious things um, is is you end up, be, and this, uh, this is not necessarily really the time for this at the end of talking about this <laughs> comedy movie. But it kind of works with what, we're, what you were talking about with Caribbean from Airplane and things like that. Yeah. Is that we've now gotten so far in uh, cinema in the history of it that it's, that it's existed, that you'll end up watching a sequence and it's like, well, that sequence is cribbing this sequence, which is cribbing this sequence, which is cribbing this sequence. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually just take it all the way back, and and those moments are really hilarious. It's like, oh look, you're ripping off Frankenstein. Oh yeah. look, th- this is r- ripping off Witness. Oh look, this is ripping like and it just keeps yeah. going all the way down. It's just like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's just that's just the evolution of art, folks. So, well, at least well, I I I don't know how you feel about watching it the first time around, um, but how how'd you feel about the second time around? Um, I think it's I don't know, like it doesn't hit as harshly because I guess I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. But I I I really do not like you know. Um, you know, humor that makes you feel bad for the person. And so there are, there's just going to be moments where I'm just like, yeah, that is not my comedy style at all. Not your um, cup of tea. But yeah. then again, I've always felt that, you know, comedies in particular are, um, I feel they're more social films than right. personal films. And so definitely watching this with someone is more enjoyable. And I think of that nature, you know, it, it's quite successful. And I think that's how most comedies are. Yeah. Um, you know, because they're they're designed for laughs and and often less story driven, not all the time, but oftentimes. And so um, being able to share that humor and, and the reactions with people, I think, is an integral part of it. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. There's always those movies out there that are like they're not really they don't do a whole lot for you when you watch them by yourself. But when you watch them with friends or in a uh, a theater with a bunch of strangers and whatnot it can be a really radically different experience you know like can you imagine like watching like you know something like as weird and bizarre as like machete by your by yourself oh gosh <laughs> yeah it's it's you'd be like oh this is weird and then when you go see it with like a whole bunch of you know with the right crowd and such 
you have a grand old time, especially if there's if the concessions have booze involved. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, I, as far as you know, me, me watching it again, you know, it's just like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, even even now, there's like these tiny little details that pop out that I haven't really noticed before. Like like you said, like the smoking in the back of the car. Like I never really. I yeah, and, and you really only have like those couple moments to catch it because as soon as he rolls his window down, it's gone as yep. it would be. Yep, totally. Which is uh, so it's like it, it it just you know adds to that whole thing because you know, uh, really great movies are often judged by their rewatchability. This one's definitely one, and I can and it's still really easy to see why it's such a Thanksgiving classic because it is so rewatchable, and to visit <laughs> it you know year after year after year, it doesn't really get stale because of those little details that you notice and pop up and i guarantee you someone back home is like that fucking handprint on the stain is like the craziest little detail i've never <laughs> how did i never not notice i can't unsee it now because <laughs> really we want to know what the hell was going on actually i don't want to know what was going on in that that hotel room the more i think about it i don't well know. <laughs> like what you really have to think about here and I think this is the important thing about the handprints is I think you make people are making a wrong assumption that they were put up at the same time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a good possibility, but if you look closely, like one hand is the right hand and one's the left. Right, but like there like why did it what, why would that have to be up there at the same time? Like honestly, it, that just makes lean, it all the more funny. Le to, <laughs> to me that's just that's that's just the thing that makes it even more funny because <laughs> you know like half the some it's funny because you don't know this kind of shit you know like uh it, it's 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 kind of like the pussy troll in clerks too oh gosh like look look we all know that the pussy troll's not real but it's and it's funnier because you don't know because there are all these people in the audience that can uh, tell you what a pussy troll is and the stuff that they say are going to be a million and a half times better than any filmmaker could physically put on the screen. I will say, though, I'm much more a fan of the name Lister Fiend. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> I think we should probably cap it off. I really hope you guys have uh, enjoyed this time here at ComTrack. Uh, hopefully you've been watching with family or, you know, we've just been your little outlet to escape your the insanity that is your family, depending on who you are. But we do hope uh, all of you the best. And this has actually been this, this tapes finale, believe it or not. We're actually going to be taking a break uh, for December and we're going to be back on New Year's Day uh with uh with some new movies uh we're actually coming back since 2012 since 2020 has been such a disaster uh, we're starting off with january with tape three as disaster month and we're going to come at you with some really cool fun disaster movies and talk to you about then so uh we hope we uh, like i said we hope you enjoy we'll see you all next year uh come january 1st new year's day um, and in the meantime, I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And this has been Contract. We'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace. Peace.